Could have helped that fish. I said, hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side. I said, hey, honey, take a walk on the wild side. And the colored girls say, do, 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 shocking and the mocking were rife we still found each other the ones in the life there was a time before demonstrations when the queens and fairies were shy and fearful we ran and we hid from the fist and the knife and we still found each other 
the ones in the life. Do you know Dorothy? Do you have the time? Have you got a light, dear? Change for a dime? Do you come here often? I see what you mean. I know a tavern where we won't be seen. There was a time before celebration when all my sisters were ghosts and shadows. Every femme had a butch, every husband a wife, and we still found each other the ones in the life. Do you know, Dorothy? Do you have the time? Have you got a light, dear? Change for a dime. Do you come here often? I see what you mean. I know a tavern where we won't be seen. There was a time back before Stonewall. We heard the jokes and we joined the laughter. We lied and we passed and avoided the strife. But we still found each other, the ones in the life. We still found each other.
like you so long today, truck driver man. What was the delay as you traveled the land? It rained in the morning, it snowed in the night. Need a left turn, I should have gone right. I watched for the crazies, I watched for the bears. I waited for scales, I was down for repairs. I've been rolling so long, but I'm still in the hole. The fever is gone. And the coffee is cold, but each mile of highway has calloused my soul, rolling it all home to you. What do you think about truck driver man? What are your dreams as you travel the land? I dream about playing all day in the sun while somebody younger is making the run i dream about finding two perfect fried eggs arresting my eyes and the waitress's legs never no more nights all alone not being more than an hour from home i've been rolling so long but i'm still in the hole the fever is gone and the coffee is cold but each mile of highway has calloused my soul rolling it all home to you where have you been truck driver man where have you traveled across the wide land i've been to the east to the west, the north and the south, and the roadsides to rest. And good morning, mutineers. This is the B, and you are tuned to Mutiny Radio. You might have gotten that impression. Fix that we played. This is June, and it is Gay Pride Month. Happy Gay Pride Month, all LGBT people. Played, of course, began with Lou Reed. Walk on the Wild Side. National anthem, say, of the Gay Pride Movement. And... Then we followed that with Seeger, Union Song, Cares About Me. And then 10% sang before Stonewall, dark song about the life of people in the shadows, having to live a secret life. And in some places now in the U.S., still with that same. That same oppression, forced to live in the shadows. And then we had Truck Driver Man with Larry Penn, a regular union song about the truck drivers, reminiscent of uh, Billy Joel. Windshield wipers, 
Yes, this is the B, and this is labor and love, where we tell you how it is. If one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table where you work, negotiating table that is, you're on the menu. And never but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. It's only a waste of time. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Let's say a word now of our sponsor. Oh, about Como México no hay dos. That's a Spanish saying. Search that. There's only one Mexican. Como San Jalisco tampoco. For over 40 years, the Ibarra family has been serving the very best in Mexican food for the people of San Jose. Your favorite. Tacos, chilaquiles, ultimate in birria, best salsa and chips in town brought to you before you order. Favorite vegetarian. Adam. Find them all and more at San Jalisco. Very hard of them. Right, come on down to San Jalisco. That as you go in there, they Agda. Sophie, Ellen, Labor and Love sent you. Okay, well, let's get on with our show. As I say, it is Pride Month. Pride Month celebrates a few happening. In the early morning hours of June 28, 1969, a riot broke out in front of the Stonewall Inn in New York City. The violent protest became known as the Stonewall Riots. Watershed moment in the gay rights movement, sparking activism and awareness across the United States. We'll look at the roots of the riots, the events, and their lasting impact. In the 1950s and 60s, homosexuality was still considered sodomy and illegal in 49 states. The punishments varied greatly by state, ranging from heavy fines to imprisonment. In society, members of the gay community were often subject to violence and discrimination. In New York City, gay bars were haven sexual orientations and gender identities, places where they could avoid harassment and violence. The Stonewall Inn served as a popular refuge. The Stonewall Inn was owned by the mafia, the Mafia bribed the police to 
looked the other way. In turn, the Mafia made money overcharging patrons for drinks. Even so, the patrons were not fully safe from homophobia and discrimination. The Mafia would extort wealthy patrons, threatening to out them to their employers and families. Despite the Mafia's bribes, the police still regularly raided the Stonewall Inn and other gay bars, charging them with solicitation of homosexual relations. Trans and other gender non-conforming people were also targeted, subjected to violence, and arrested if they weren't wearing what the police deemed gender-appropriate clothing. This oppression and mistreatment came to a head in the early morning hours of June 28, 1969. Nine police officers entered the Stonewall Inn in a raid. The patrons were fed up. As the police roughly tried to arrest bartenders and customers, many resisted. Outside the bar, people in the hundreds began rioting. They threw bottles at the police and pushed through the barricades. The police officers retreated from the crowd and locked themselves inside the Stonewall Inn. Rioters responded by setting the bar on fire. Police reinforcement arrived, and the original officers managed to get out of the burning bar. Meanwhile, the angry mob had grown into thousands. Eventually, the police were able to get the crowd to disperse, but it didn't last long. The riots continued until July 1st. While some criticized the violent and destructive riots, others pointed to the brutality and unjust treatment of the gay community. This large-scale defiance made a massive impact on society. The Stonewall Riots were the beginning of the modern gay liberation movement, which also brought attention to others marginalized for their sexual or gender orientation. The riots sparked the formation of the Gay Liberation Front, the first group to publicly advocate for equal gay rights. On the one-year anniversary of the riots, they also organized the first Gay Pride Parade. Today, Pride events are still held on the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots in cities around the country and even the world. In 2016, President Obama made the Stonewall Inn and the area outside where the riots broke out a national monument. This became the first national monument celebrating gay history. The Stonewall Riots may have been violent, but they marked a pivotal moment in history. No longer would people quietly endure the stigma associated with their sexual and gender orientations. Through the Stonewall Riots, the gay rights movement gained mainstream visibility and a momentum that continues to this day. Okay, there's a little background on the Stonewall Riots.
dolor de volverme a enamorar Ya jamás tropezaré, en nadie me fijaré, no me vuelvo a enamorar No me vuelvo a enamorar Totalmente para qué primera vez que entregué mi corazón me equivoqué no me vuelvo a enamorar porque esta decepción me ha dejado un mal sabor me ha quitado el valor de volver a enamorar Quiere llegar a, a, sobre todo en la cosa del canto, en todas las artes, pero especialmente el mensaje del cantar. Eh, amo en ustedes una cosa muy importante. Chabela Vargas, muy song is called La Llorona. Todos me dicen el negro llorona, negro. Cariñoso. Todos 
y por eso el sol de España la luna es una mujer llorona y por eso anda que bebe los montes llorona porque la luna lo engaña anda que bebe los montes llorona porque la luna lo engaña yo te soñaba dormida llorona dormida te estabas quieta Soñaba dormida, llorona, dormida, te estabas quieta. Pero en llegando el olvido, llorona, soñé que estabas despierta. Pero en llegando el olvido, llorona, soñé. Estaba despierta, sí, porque te quiero, quieres, llorona, quieres que te quiera más, sí, porque te quiero, quieres, llorona, te quiera más, sí, ya. Chabela Vargas Chabela Vargas um, very well known singer rough famous for her gravelly Play another rocker name. Rosetta Tharp. The concert she gave in England. Precious memories. No. Lonesome Road. This train. Yeah. And I'm going to see how many going to ride on it.
sweet to stay oh, here. It gets sweet. And I come in on a... Yeah. Let me tell you what I come in on. That was Dubai. Sister Rosetta Tharp. Little innovative pioneers. Our 40s and 50s women who really didn't get kind of attention because of God. Attractive guitar player. Godmother of rock and roll. Okay, well, this is Labor and Love, and this is where we tell you how it is. So let's talk a little bit about labor. Labor movement. 
worldwide labor movement. Find that solidarity build labor. Weekly worldwide labor report. This is Solidarity News on Radio Labor. This is a Radio Labor World Report recorded on Friday, June 9th, 2023. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, the opening of the UN's International Labor Organization Conference in Geneva. The racism of microaggressions. The Labor Start report about union immense and rapid. Not a brain and muscle, not a single wheel can turn. So put your hands together, all under one umbrella. It's time for unity, solidarity forever. This is Radio Labor. The organization which sets minimum labor standards to be adopted by countries around the world has begun its annual conference in Geneva this week. The International Labor Organization is the UN agency focused on matters of work in the world. It develops international laws called conventions, which its 187 member countries can add to their legislative structures. The ILO is strongly supported by the international labor movement. The chair of the workers group at the ILO, Kathleen Pasquier, addressed the conference delegates. It's good to see so many of you here in Geneva for what is the first fully in-person labor conference since 2019, which is four years ago. I hope the human connection brings the positivism, hope and creativity that we need to reach powerful conclusions that demonstrate our joint determination to shape the future of work, to benefit all people, indeed to provide social justice for all. We can expect many tough discussions during this conference, but let us never lose sight of the challenges outside these walls that workers are facing in everyday life, as well as challenges before employers and governments to achieve just transitions to a peaceful and prosperous future that sometimes today seems to elude us. There is the existential threat of climate change in recent years overshadowed by a global health crisis. Meanwhile, natural disasters caused by climate change are becoming more prominent around the world with floods and droughts, cyclones and heat waves, with the poorest people and regions suffering most, leading inevitably also to an increase in migratory flows. Wars continue to rage and are at risk of further escalation with the threat of nuclear annihilation looming. This year, the so-called doomsday clock stands at 90 seconds to midnight, the closest to global nuclear catastrophe it has ever been. Massive investments in a new nuclear and conventional arms race are undermining investments in common security and life on our planet. Geopolitical tension continues to weaken multilateralism's capacity to tackle our world's common problems. Daunting news messages warn us that artificial intelligence will overtake humanity 
if we don't take control. Among growing inequality, hunger, poverty and child labor, a growing group of disenfranchised people have lost faith and confidence in their political leaders. Extremism and populism are on the rise. Freedom of association and collective bargaining remain the most important and challenging fundamental rights to be achieved, especially as they are in the ILO, the enabling rights necessary to achieve all other rights. Changes in work patterns and the abusive use of temporary and short-term contracts have resulted in massive job insecurity and undermined freedom of association, collective bargaining and access to labor protection. In this digital age of platform gig and telework, working time requires us to think how the minimum standards enshrined in the conventions and recommendations can effectively be respected in the contemporary world of work. In our view, this cannot be done without making sure that people are guaranteed a living wage without having to work overtime. In terms of protection of the rights of young workers in their transition to decent jobs, we look forward to the second year discussion with a view to the adoption of a recommendation on quality apprenticeships. Clearly, the recommendation should aim to elevate the global standard for apprenticeships to protect our youngsters from exploitation rather than lower the standard under pressure of the market demand for cheap labor at the expense of their and therefore also our future. They may be small, but microaggressive racist comments in the workplace can have big effects on racialized or marginalized people. To explore the effects of microaggression, the International Labor Organization has produced a book which discusses the topic. The ILO is the specialized agency of the United Nations focused on matters of work in the world. It recently produced a podcast which explored microaggression at work. The podcast was hosted by Rosalind Yard, the chief of news and media in the ILO's Department of Communication. Her guest was Marlene Lopez, the coordinator of the Interdisciplinary Studies in Sexuality program at the Simone de Beauvoir Institute at Concordia University in Montreal. Ms. Lopez is also vice president of the Fédération des Femmes du Québec. Here's Ms. Yard with her first question for Ms. Lopez. It seems we hear the buzzwords diversity and inclusion all the time and the need to create more inclusive labour markets for all. But how does that reflect in workplaces? Is the overt racism of previous eras the thing of the past or is there still much work to be done to achieve a level playing field in the world of work? The ILO has recently published a book called The Future of Diversity, it explores the biases and stereotypes that lead to discrimination and violence in workplaces and the policies that are needed to address structural inequalities. With me is Marlene Lopez, coordinator of the Simone de Beauvoir Institute at Concordia University, Montreal, Canada. Marlene is the co-author of one of the chapters in the book, which explores black women's experiences in feminist workplaces. Marlene in this book, The Future of Diversity, you focus on black women in feminist workplaces and also address the issue of violence in the workplace, which includes microaggressions. Can, can you explain, uh, Marlene, what this actually means? In the context of black women's experience, we talk about gendered and racial aggressions and how they intersect. So for us, microaggressions are harmful, can be harmful comments 
for actions that usually target minority groups. So in our chapter, we address those that target black women. And they are called microaggressions because they are usually normalized in the workplace. They are frequent and repeated, but they're not micro in their impact. They have proven to have very harmful impact on black women's in black women's life, mental health, physical health, etc. So, I mean, can you give some examples? I know that in in, the, in your chapter there are quite a few examples. We interviewed several black women in our research, and a lot of anecdotes came out of experience of microaggressions, such as comments about hair, skin, body figure, comments about black men addressing a black woman as being scary or intimidating. So these are some of some of the examples that came up in our research. Do you believe there will ever be real change or will the research, will the reports, will they just sit gathering dust? Or, I don't want to be pessimistic, but do you see, do, do you imagine that there will be some change? Yeah, I'm hopeful, but I'm hopeful in the context of folks that are working beyond diversity towards equity, because like I stated before, we're talking about systemic forms of discrimination and just by embracing diversity, we're not going to address the systemic forms, the historic forms of discrimination and the barrier, the historic barriers that have affected minority groups in the workplace. So while it's is important to value diversity. It is insufficient, in my opinion. There needs to be concrete work towards equity in order for, in the long term, in a sustainable way, minority groups benefit and are able to move and flourish within the the workplace. Here with his report about union events is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. This week, our top story section included links to the news that union leader Selma Atebe has been released after almost a year in a Turkish prison. Comrade Selma, an activist and chair of the Health and Social Care Workers Union's Women's Commission, will remain under house arrest, but this is seen as a big step towards complete freedom. Other top stories this week include the latest national one-day walkout against pension rollbacks in France, calls for Iran to be expelled from the International Labour Organization, and a survey of sex workers' unions in several countries, which reveals that queer workers are taking on significant leadership positions. A random sample from our news pages includes articles about the first crop of students to complete a union internship program in Antigua and Barbuda, a watershed decision in Kenya that requires Meta to provide mental health care to Facebook and Instagram moderators, and the news that Romanian healthcare workers are joining the wave of strikes by overstressed co-workers around the world. But my favorite top story of the week came from our Spanish language news page where the details of a union plan to reduce plastic pollution in Spain appeared. On our Working Women news page, you'll find stories about the union leaders honored for making change in New York's Broadway theater industry, about the growing concern that garment workers in Bangladesh aren't consuming enough calories to maintain their body weight given the pace of work imposed by their employers, and an update on the push to provide workplace supports for menopausal women in the United Kingdom. Stories appearing on our Health and Safety page in Newswire this week include the New Zealand nurse.
union's bargaining table push on health and safety issues. What the out-of-control forest fires burning across Canada mean for that country's firefighters and the results of a survey by Global Union Federation, Uni, on the effects of shift work on building maintenance workers. Our current photo of the week is a shot of Swiss workers preparing for next week's national strike by women workers. Look for lots of coverage of that strike on Labour Start next Wednesday and on Thursday. This is Derek Blackheader from Labour Start reporting for Radio Labour. Now here is Ruben Benny Esguera and friends with a new Solidarity Forever. No more tradition, no, we're bringing a new vision, and it's just in time for ashes. We give birth a new tradition, solidarity forever with a new millennium flavor. Now we're resurrecting it, one century later, keep our feet fixed on the past. In order to stay rooted in our minds, eye on tomorrow, so that today we get through this, so that one day we're victorious. So just gather now, come here. Divisions are created by those who doubt and fear. We give thanks to all the workers who put it all on the line, those who took it to the streets, moving crowds with conscious minds, those who gave their lives. Give thanks to those who made lost lives, only work for those to make them not break them be patient the best way to protect your rights is by always knowing your rights without our brain and muscle not a single wheel can turn so put your hands together all under one umbrella it's time for unity solidarity forever Prosper. Your money's being hoarded and the people are unsupported. Social welfare's been aborted, labor crimes go unreported. When we try to fight back, it seems we can't afford it. We try to be united, but they're implementing laws that are keeping us divided. They're commodifying labor, then they're bidding for the lowest. They're thinking that it's clever, but we know it's something better. Solidarity forever. Now jobs are disappearing and all we're ever hearing is pay a lot more and get paid a little less. Work a little harder, then work a little longer, but we're taking it no longer. We're decided we're uniting, because together we are stronger. The unions got a back, CBAs, protections, better wages, a fact. So we're making a choice, and we're making some noise. We're walking with poise, and we're raising our voice. We're singing... And that's it. Labor news you can use. I'm Mark Belanger. Thank you for listening. And remember. That's our World Labor Report. A couple of labor figures. Hired Rustin, and then we're going to follow that up with a brief biography of Oscar Wilde, great writer. What happened to him? 
obvious. Get on with that. Tired resting. Civil rights. Bayard Rustin was one of the most important figures in the African-American struggle for civil rights and freedom. He organized the 1963 March on Washington. He helped Dr. King translate the philosophy of nonviolence into direct action. But a lot of people don't know his name, largely because he was a gay man. My name is Walter Nagel, and Bayard Rustin was the love of my life. I met Bayard on a corner at 42nd Street and 7th Avenue, Times Square, in 1977. I was 27 years old and he was 65. There was this tall, handsome, very attractive man standing next to me and we looked at each other and I was pretty much toast. Bayard was open about his being gay, really from his teenage years. He just believed in being his authentic self and speaking his own truth. Bayard always said that Dr. King didn't really have a personal problem with him being gay. Dr. King really needed Bayard at different times because Bayard was a person of great creativity, great intellect, and he was doing things for the movement that really nobody else could do. After the March on Washington, he became a much more visible figure. He was really out there in the thick of the movement. We're interested in making it possible for people to live like human beings. About the so-called disruptive child. But as the movement took off, he needed to step back and get out of the limelight for a while so that people wouldn't be distracted by the fact that he was gay. That was really the piece that kept him from rising in the movement the way he could have had he not been. If you were to look at Bayard and me, on the surface, there were great differences. There was an age difference, there was a race difference, but we shared a deep bond and a deep love for each other. In 1982, Bayard adopted me so that we would have some legal protections under the law. We were legal, father and son. This was a time when gay couples had no protections, no rights. Other people were maybe a little shocked, it didn't really matter to us. Bayard died in August of 1987. We decided to organize a small private foundation in his memory, the Bayard Wrestling Fund. It was really designed to get Bayard into the history books. He didn't have the visibility of a Dr. King or of a Malcolm X. He would want to be remembered for being a person that played a great role in making social change to this country.
we've got Bayad Rustin himself singing Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen. American gay man. And to a certain degree as a Quaker, uh, Byard was faced with discrimination and with prejudice throughout his life, certainly through the early part of his life. Uh, being any of those things, including being Quaker, was not the most common thing in the American society. And so he struggled uh, with discrimination in the larger society, but also in the religious community and within the Quaker community itself. And certainly as a gay man, I mean, there was no question that he was discriminated against. Um, not necessarily always in this, I would say, crude or overt uh, kind of fashion, but, you know, there was always this kind of subtle undertone about, well, you know, what do we... What do we do with Bart? My name is Walter Nagel. I live in New York City, in Manhattan. I am currently employed by the Religious Society of Friends, the New York Yearly Meeting. Um, I am not officially a Quaker, and I'm not a member of a monthly meeting, but my late partner, Bayard Rustin, was uh, a longtime member of 15th Street Meeting here in New York City. Bayard Rustin was an African-American gay male 
Quaker, who was very influential in the African-American civil rights movement in our country. That is primarily what people would associate him with, because he was the organizer of the 1963 March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, where Dr. King gave his most famous speech. But Bart had been involved in struggles for social justice you know, for 20, 20 plus years before that, and certainly 25 years after that. Byard was working very closely with the fellowship, well, he was in the Fellowship of Reconciliation, and he was on the staff of the Fellowship of Reconciliation. And in 1953, Byard was on a speaking engagement in Pasadena, California, for the American Friends Service Committee, and he was arrested uh, on a moral, what was then called a morals charge. He was caught having uh, sexual relations in a public place. Uh, it was in the middle of the night. It was on a dark street. Uh, it was not out in broad daylight and Saturday afternoon or anything like that. But nevertheless, he was arrested. And I guess it was in 1953 or 1954, shortly before the African-American struggle really took off in Montgomery, a small group of Quakers gathered at Pendle Hill Study Center in Pennsylvania to produce a document on what was then called the, the Cold War, the struggle between the United States and the Soviet Union. And after several days of meeting and discernment and discussion, they produced a document called Speak Truth to Power which I have right here. Despite the fact that Byard was a very important part of that group, in fact, he has been credited with coining the phrase, speak truth to power, his name was left off the document. So, you know, I mean, I see that as a, certainly as a form of discrimination and persecution, if you will, because, you know, all of the people, or most of the people, at least the ones that I've spoken to on the committee, felt that he made an invaluable contribution to that document, and it would not have been the document that it was without Byard's contribution. Now, in all fairness to the AFSC, uh, they restored his name to the document in 2012, which was the centennial uh, year of Byard's birth. Well, when people think about Byard Rustin, I think there are a couple of things that are important which might not be so readily available when you Google him, if you will, or when you do some of the research. Uh, one of them, I think, certainly is the importance of the Quaker values, the Quaker value system that was instilled in him as a young person. Uh, Bayard believed in the oneness of the human family, in the brotherhood, sisterhood of all people. He believed in the power of nonviolence, which comes out of that belief in the oneness of all people. And he saw everybody as his brothers and sisters. It was not just about black folks or gay folks or any, any subgroup that he might have been a member of. He saw everybody uh, certainly as equal in the eyes of the divine, if you will. The other thing I think that would be important is that, you know, Byron was a very gentle and loving and fun, very humorous person. 
you know, he worked, he worked with young people. He recruited young people. And young people flocked to him because at that time he was still seen as a very radical, radical figure. Uh, and I think young people tend to be attracted to those most radical voices. And so a lot of those people remember, remember him fondly, even though some of them disagreed with him later on and as they developed and they went their separate ways from some of Byard's ideas. But they still remembered that uh, quality of his uh, helping them. And so his, you know, he continues, his voice continues to be one that people uh, want to hear from and listen to uh, and, and, and serve as a source of inspiration. Thanks for watching this Quaker Speak video. We release a new video every other Thursday. You can watch all our videos in this playlist here. You can subscribe. A sort of a biography there. <clears throat> Composite biography of Bayard Rustin. Pennsylvanian. School in high school. Said about the food in the cafeteria. He was a, an organizer from the very beginning. Unfortunately, the way laws were at that time, the way prejudice against gay people, the fact that he was gay and openly gay, was really a penalty kept him from it kept him from rising in the movement and in, in his life. One point nineteen early nineteen fifties, uh, Adam Clayton Powell and who was a congressman from Harlem and Dwight Eisenhower threatened to out fired Rustin the rumor that he was he and uh, Martin Luther King were homosexual partners so King was forced to cut ties with Rustin although informally Rustin maintained a lot of influence within the movement the thing about Rustin he was also involved with AF of L to the black community and to the worker community. Covered both. He checked both boxes. Fired Rustin. Um, hero in the sense that a life that a lot of people would like to have for themselves. March on Washington. It wouldn't have happened. Ability. Okay, so Bayard Rustin.
All right, let's get on now with Oscar Wilde. Who was Oscar Wilde? Irish writer. Very much excellent playwright, host of London. Uh, got involved with a young man named Lord Alfred Douglas. They're in The most famous playwright in the English-speaking world, Oscar Wilde, presented his new play, The Importance of Being Earnest, in London at St. James's Theatre. The audience was packed with celebrities, aristocrats and famous politicians, eagerly awaiting another triumph from a man universally heralded as a genius. At the end of the performance, there was a standing ovation. Critics adored the play, and so did audiences, making it Wilde's fourth major success in only three years. Yet, only a few short months later, Wilde was bankrupt and about to be imprisoned. His reputation was in tatters and his life ruined beyond repair. It was, as everyone then and now agreed, a tragedy. The swift fall of a great man due to a small but fateful slip. The story of how Oscar Wilde went from celebrity playwright to prisoner in such a short space of time has much to teach us about disgrace and infamy. We don't have to be acclaimed to understand that Wilde's poignant tragedy urges us to abandon our normal moralism and have sympathy for those who stray. It calls for us to extend our love not just to those who obviously deserve it, but precisely to those who seem not to. Wilde's tragedy began several years earlier, when he was introduced to a beguiling young man named Lord Alfred Douglas. Douglas, known to family and friends as Bosey, was extremely handsome, charming and arrogant. By 1892, a year after they'd met, the two men had fallen profoundly in love. Although Wilde was married with two children, he spent much of his time with Bosey. They travelled together, stayed in hotels and hosted large dinners for their friends. By 1894, the pair were constantly seen together in public, and rumours of their love affair had spread as far as Bosey's father, the Marquis of Queensbury. The Marquis was a cruel, aggressive character, known for inventing the Queensbury rules of amateur boxing. Having decided that Wilde was corrupting his son, he demanded that the pair stop seeing each other. When Wilde refused, Queensbury began to hound him across London, threatening violence against restaurant hotel managers if they allowed Wilde and Bosey onto the premises. Queensbury booked a seat for the opening night of the importance of being earnest. He planned to throw a bouquet of rotting vegetables at Wilde when he took to the stage. When Wilde heard about the stunt, he had him barred from the theatre, and Queensbury flew into a rage. He left a calling card, which publicly accused Wilde of having sex with other men. Since homosexuality was illegal and deeply frowned upon in Victorian society, this was a dangerous accusation. Seeing no end to Queensbury's bullying behaviour, Wilde decided to take legal action. By suing Queensbury for libel, Wilde hoped to clear his name and put an end to the harassment. When the trial began, Wilde was confident. He took to the stand and gave witty, distracting answers during his cross-examination. Within a few days, however, the tide had turned against him. It became clear that Queensbury's lawyers had hired private detectives to uncover an uncomfortable truth, that both Wilde and Bosey had hired male prostitutes. 
Some had even blackmailed Wilde in the past, successfully extorting money from him in return for their silence. The trial was hopeless and Wilde withdrew his case, but events had spiralled beyond his control and Wilde was soon arrested on charges of gross indecency. The legal costs left him bankrupt and theatres were forced to abandon his plays. Wilde's criminal trial began at the Old Bailey on April the 26th. He faced 25 charges, all of which surrounded his sexual relationships with younger men. Wilde continued to deny the allegations and the jury could not reach a verdict. But when the prosecution were allowed to try Wilde a second time, he was eventually found guilty. The judge said at his sentencing, It is the worst case I have ever tried. I shall pass the severest sentence that the law allows. Wilde was sentenced to two years of hard labour. Inmates in London's Pentonville prison, where he was sent, spent six hours a day walking on a heavy treadmill or untangling old rope using their hands and knees. For someone of Wilde's luxurious background, it was an impossible hardship. His bed was a hard plank which made it difficult to fall asleep. Prisoners were kept alone in their cells and barred from talking to one another. Wilde suffered from dysentery and became physically very frail. After six months, he was transferred to Reading Jail. As he stood on the central platform of Clapham Junction, with handcuffs around his wrists, passers-by began to recognise the celebrity playwright. They laughed and mocked. Some even spat at him. For half an hour I stood there, Wilde wrote afterwards, in the grey November rain, surrounded by a jeering mob. For a year after that was done to me, I wept every day at the same hour and for the same space of time. During his last year in prison, Wilde wrote an anguished essay, De Profundis. I, once a lord of language, have no words in which to express my anguish and my shame. Terrible as was what the world did to me, what I did to myself was far more terrible still. The gods had given me almost everything, but I let myself be lured into long spells of senseless and sensual ease. I allowed pleasure to dominate me. I ended in horrible disgrace. There is only one thing for me now, absolute humility. I have lain in prison for nearly two years. I have passed through every possible mood of suffering. The only people I would care to be with now are artists and people who have suffered, those who know what beauty is and those who know what sorrow is. Nobody else interests me. In May 1897, Wilde was finally released. He set sail for Dieppe in France the very same day. His wife Constance had changed her name and moved abroad with their two sons, Vivian, now 11, and Cyril, 12. Wilde would never see his children again. He missed them every day. Constance agreed to send him money on the condition that he end his relationship with Bosey, but only a few months later the pair reunited and the money stopped. They moved to Naples and Wilde began using the name Sebastian Melmoth, inspired by the great Christian martyr Saint Sebastian and a character from a Gothic novel who had sold his soul to the devil. They hoped to find privacy abroad, but the scandal seemed to follow them wherever they went. English patrons recognised them in hotels and demanded that they be turned away. After Constance stopped sending money, Bosie's mother offered to pay their debts if he returned home and the pair once again parted ways. Scorned by many of his former friends, Wilde moved to Paris where he lived in relative poverty. He spent most of his time and money in bars and cafes, borrowing money wherever he could and drinking heavily. His weight ballooned and his conversation dragged. He was slowly inebriating himself to death. When a friend suggested he try to write another comic play, he replied, 
I have lost the mainspring of life and art. I have pleasures and passions, but the joy of life is gone. His final piece of writing, a poem, The Ballad of Reading Jail, was published in 1898. The author's name was listed as C-33, Wilde's cell block and cell number from his time in the prison. Towards the end of 1900, Wilde had developed meningitis and became gravely ill. A Catholic priest visited his hotel and baptised him into the church. He died the following day, age 46. More than a century later, in 2017, a law was passed to exonerate those who had been convicted due to their sexuality, and Oscar Wilde received an official pardon from the UK government. It is hugely important, declared a government minister, that we pardon people convicted of historical sexual offences who would be innocent of any crime today. Our society has become generous towards Wilde's specific behaviour, but it remains moralistic towards a huge number of other people's and ways of life. Many of us would, across the ages, want to comfort and befriend Oscar Wilde. It's a touching hope, but one that would be best employed in extending understanding to all those less talented and less witty figures who are, right now, facing grave difficulties and still deserve compassion. That would be true civilization and a world in which Wilde's horrifying downfall had not been in vain. Our has arranged. Okay, there's a story of Oscar Wilde, um, a renowned playwright. Plays are often are are regularly performed. A lot of them are classic. English theater. Wild again at the wrong time and really misplayed himself. I don't think he powered society had over. Notoriety. Also a writer. Oh, for Wild, Fired Rustin. Go on now. Socialist. Jessica Fiorentino, Republican, Want the working class to seize the means of production and democratize the economy? Okay, that is socialism, and it sounds pretty good. The accusation of socialism is part of the playbook the GOP is now running against Joe Biden and his climate plan. Except, we've been here before. I'm Francesca Fiorentini, and we're looking at how the right has historically red-baited any social programs that threaten to help people. Programs that eventually become incredibly popular, and ones Republicans have no alternative to. They whine while so-called socialism works. Joe 
Joe Biden's climate plan is not the Green New Deal, but it is incredibly ambitious, which thank God, because here in California, the wildfires are making everything smell like barbecue, threatening both our lives and our commitment to vegetarianism. Mama want a brisket. After a joint task force with Bernie Sanders supporters like AOC and members of the Sunrise Movement, Biden's climate plan is now a $2 trillion commitment that includes eliminating carbon pollution from power plants by 2035, revolutionizing the railroad and municipal transit systems, building solar and wind farms, and by 2030 getting to net zero greenhouse gas emissions for new buildings. Now, I tried to find the part of his plan Trump was talking about where Biden would tear down buildings and rebuild them with tiny little windows. It's not there, Don. Biden won't give you prison windows. The state of New York will. And that climate plan has triggered the right's most predictable defense mechanism to any whiff of progress. He signed on to Bernie Sanders' crazy 110-page communist manifesto. The Biden standards communist manifesto. No more oil. No more gas, no more coal. It's been writing the Bolshevik Bernie Biden manifesto. So remember, when Biden says, come on, man, we all know that the man stands for manifesto and the come on stands for communist. It's the communist manifesto. We're putting the pieces together, people. Look, despite also being born in the 19th century, Joe Biden is actually not Karl Marx. Though he collaborated with some supporters of a Green New Deal, Biden's plan leaves out the more transformative parts of it, such as a federal jobs guarantee. And yet, the attacks on Biden's climate plan are reminiscent of right-wing attacks on other bold social plans enacted by Democratic presidents. Plans that are so popular now, the right can't openly campaign against them. Like Social Security, aka old people allowance, that Americans pay into during their working years and have access to once they turn 62. Democratic President Franklin Delano Roosevelt passed Social Security in 1935 as part of the New Deal reforms. The New Deal not only established a robust social safety net, it also gave jobs to millions of unemployed Americans in building things like bridges, airports, and schools. And truth be told, the New Deal ended up saving the market's ass. In 1933, unemployment was around 22%, but by 1940, it was less than half that. Still, the promise of a New Deal was fought tooth and nail by FDR's opponent in 1932, Republican President Herbert Hoover, who called the proposed programs, you guessed it, social and warned of a march to Moscow. That red baiting didn't win Hoover re-election, and yet Republican Alf Landon tried the same tactic when he ran against FDR four years later, as exemplified in this campaign ad where a Democratic donkey drinks a bottle of Russian vodka. Russia couldn't stand that stuff, but the jackass will try anything. Oh, well, will be the day and headache tomorrow. There goes the jackass running wild. The dynamite must have gone to his head and some to his feet. <laughs> I do not know what that donkey drank, but can we get some for Joe Biden? The problem is neither Hoover nor Landon had a better plan to help America out of the depression, even though they claimed to be committed to helping working people, something FDR called smooth evasion as he mocked the right with the utmost shade. And let me warn the nation against the smooth evasion that says, of course we believe these things, we believe in social security, Cross our hearts and hope to die, but we do not like the way the present administration is doing them. Just turn them over to us. We will do all of them. 
the doing of them will not cost anybody anything. Okay, Franklin's got some zingers. Can we get some of that for Biden? Even though Landon called Social Security a fraud on the working man, Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit face McRat. <laughs> Namaste. Every Monday at 6 p.m., it's Joke Workshop, streaming live on mutinyradio.fm. Lift the veil from your third eye on joke creation and what it takes to be a stand-up comic in the five shakasanas of San Francisco's comedy scene. This all-ages open mic invites Oh, pre-sign by Venmoing 2 to $5 at Mutiny Radio. Join us live for a small and special audience at the Mutiny Radio studio and gallery performance space, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street in the deep, deep, deep mission. Every Monday at 6 p.m. Does my ponytail look cool? Thank you. Namaste. Tuesday used to be the most unlikely night for fun. But every week at 6 p.m., come to OMG's Tuesday Open Mic. And see comics work out new material for free. For free. They get your Tuesday night party on with two-for-one well drink specials during the 6 to 8 p.m. show. Check out Eventbrite to reserve your free seat every Tuesday, 6 p.m. At OMG on Savory 6th Street. Savory 6th Street. Show up to go up. Hey, kids. It's your pal, Spiderman. <laughs> Sorry, Spiderman. Mortimer Spiderman. When I'm not swinging through the senior facility, best in Mysterio at Boggle, or getting beautifully plowed by the Rhino, I'm headed down to Mutiny Radio at the corner of 21st and Florida. They got some schlemiels doing the laugh laugh. But hey, don't be a schmuck and donate two to five dollars on, hold, hold on, what is this? Let me get my glasses, the print's too small. Hold on. Ben Moe? That's not real. What is that, Swedish? You knew that, right? This is in San Francisco. I'll drown it on. It's nap time. The year is 2023. Oh, I wish 
that laughter had value and the unexpected laugh was priceless. Worry not, true entertainment has brought us a savior in whosthatlive.com. Oh, finally, an escape from the apocalyptic nightmare I live in. You can go to whosthatlive.com and buy comedy tickets. And you're in a raffle, I guess. True, 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 true production. First Sundays of every month, join your friends from Mutiny Radio at Hotel Utah on 4th and Bryant. 5 p.m. first Sundays for free comedy. Is San Francisco getting you down? Is everything too expensive? Not for Sundays of the month at Hotel Utah for free comedy with Mutiny Radio. Incredible lineups every month with the best comedians from around the Bay. Join your friends trying to keep things affordable for free comedy. First Sundays of the month, Hotel Utah, 4th Street. Weekly comedy at the best neighborhood bar in the city. Join your friends from Mutiny Radio every Thursday at 8 p.m. at the Bar on Dolores at 29th and Dolores. Starting after any very important sports game that might happen to be on, you're guaranteed a night of laughter for free. And when paired with the drink specials and the nicest bartender in San Francisco, it'll become a Thursday ritual. Show up to go out for comics, and please reserve your free tickets on Eventbrite so we know you're coming to laugh. is when the comedy is the cheapest. Happy hour, the most free two hours of hour-long comedy on the radio and internet streaming live at 2781 21st Street. Come down, be in the audience. Dog-friendly. Dog-friendly. We are. Mutiny Radio is absolutely dog-friendly. A dog party. Ain't no party like a dog party. (laughs) Dog party at Mutiny Radio. Every Friday, dog party at Mutiny Radio. Happy hour. <laughs> 278 121st Street. Happy hour. Mutiny Radio. FM. Here in SF. Calling all crusties, punks, and poses. Pick your posteriors up off the pavement. Pack up your pins and patches and prepare to party. The Pacific Northwest Vest Fest returns this Saturday only at the SeaTac Expo Center. Whether you're a leather lover or just a denim demon, if you're looking to dress to impress for less, do not stress. You'll find all the best in pre-distressed fest right here at the Pacific Northwest Fest Fest. With over 40 vendors selling countless crossover styles, you'll find the perfect thing for your scene. Metal, thrash, Walmart, high-vis, and everything in between. All in one place. One day only. Unless it's a jacket. If you need a jacket, take your square ass somewhere else. Never pay for fabric you don't need and ditch the sleeves, but save the rest for the Pacific Northwest Fest Fest this Saturday only at SeaTac. Bring a can of PBR, get it half price. Daddy, Daddy, what are we going to do today? At 2 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon? Oh, over there at the parklet in front of Atlas Cafe for Titans of Comedy. That, that's Titans of Comedy. Apparently, they've got great sandwiches, cafe drinks, and even some of my favorite beverages, like beer, wine, and sangria. All the things I drink to forget your mother. My new Uncle Blake says you smell like a brewery. What did I say about interrupting me? Anywho, right here on 20th and Alabama in the Deep Mission. Oh, you know what's... I want to do a weird thing. 
want to perform at a certain church. Wow. I want to do something weird. I want to do something different. Crazy. I, I don't believe in any of that stuff, but I like I just want to do it because like I've done want. weird shows. I've just for them or like for that would be the venue. And then the it's venue on and for them and for them too. <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would. I don't care. Because like I said, I've done weird shows. I've done weddings, funerals. A bar mitzvah. It was weird because like I don't like I don't. How know. do they find you first of yeah, all? Like, friend of a friend of a friend. <laughs> and it was weird. You, like, you, were you know when you're at the water fountain and the bitch is taking so long. I am I right? Am I right? Am I? I don't know These what thirteen year old right? humor is. You know, so. you're like, how do you connect with the? You can't make Jesus when you're Jewish. Jewish. Crowd, you can't like, be like, hey, you guys. I have some stereotypes to, to I, I, reflect. I, 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 okay, because I did some research. I was like, oh, there's Latino Jews and Native American Jews. So <gasps> yeah. I had to go with oh, that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay, no, yeah. I, I like that. Like, the joke was like, oh, you see, like, there's a temple, La Amigo La Israel. I was like, what? I, you know, I'm playing dumb. I was like, what do, what do Jewish people wear? Oh, yarmulkes. What do they wear? Little sombrero hats or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> and, they're, see, and they were like, it killed, it sombrero. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so it would be at a church of Satan, and then and then what else? Mixed crowd. It'd be a mixed crowd. Mixed I don't crowd. care. Some Young, old. Satanists and atheists. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Like dress up, be weird, you know? Because like my one of my favorite comic is Sam Kinison. He's all oh into that God, like yeah. weird satanic stuff. Wild thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> rest, rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, I I don't care. I just love the stage. It doesn't matter. But I just want people. Now I'm older. I want people to see me. So yeah. just remember me. Hopefully I can make people laugh. Someone will be whatever. I want yeah, you to forget. Yeah, like, I love cause that. Because like, when I was a little boy, my mom used to take me to the punchline. I saw, I saw Gabriel Iglesias. I saw John Leguizamo. Uh, but even back then, I was like, I'm, I didn't know you could get paid to be on stage. You know, I thought it was just like a job. Performance. Yeah. I want to get to that level where venue doesn't matter. They, and, and has this happened to you guys? People recognize you like, oh my god, I, I saw you over there, <laughs> and I get scared. I'm like, where? Where did you see me? You're where? like, I didn't do it. Man, that, that has happened to me. Like, you think they're like, no, this had, that happened identifying to me. a suspect. No, that happened to me before. This guy came up to me. It's I, him, officer. No, it's, this is weird. I I robbed this guy long. I love that was statute of limitations. Yeah, it is. Oh my, it is. You got you got recognized yeah. by a victim. But Amazing. He was at the show. He was at the show. The He's fuck? like, that's the dude that robbed me. Yeah. It was, yeah. Did you see him in the show? Or did I didn't you recognize not? him. I was yeah, like, okay. did I really rob you? Like, I, I was like, you I robbed so many people. Okay. You think I remember your ass? Yeah, basically. He's like, you stole my iPod. I was like, what color was it? What, what, what was it? A 20 gig? And he was like, it was this and that. And it had this playlist. And I was like, I remember his playlist. Yeah, I remember your you loser remember ass playlist. playlist. Like, I remember you your dumb ass, ass tunes on that. No, I think it would be funny to out him and be like, yeah, I got your fucking now. That's what I call music volume 27, <laughs> you fucking loser. And that's why I robbed you. Basically. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So did you give it back to him? No, you know, it was so funny. Did you pay it we back? Gave, I gave him a hug. And we get, we, no, we, we became like good fucking friends. What? That's healing. That's, that's a, a healing great meet power of comedy right there. Yeah. How'd you awesome. guys meet? Funny story. I robbed him. <laughs> Seven years later, right after the statute but, of limitations But I'm an idiot. I'm out. an idiot. When I was robbing the guy, I had my high school Letterman jacket on. He's like, I'm going to look you up in With your With a name tag and <laughs> your, your last name. Na- you're very specific, like yeah. first and wow. last name on it. Wait, like, where'd you go to school? I'm not going to say what school I went uh, to. <laughs> you're like, I'm not falling for that trap again. <laughs> Never again. Did I go to school? <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. So any venue doesn't matter, big, small. Just I want people to people that you've robbed even can come. 
the show. Yeah. I think it would be great to do just a show entirely of your former victims. And maybe future victims as well. <laughs> future victims. Yeah. And nobody knows who's who. Okay. And it's a fun guessing game. You know what's so funny? I, I, I did a, a show, and you know you have to bring your own mic because, you know, COVID, right? I pull out my microphone out of my pants, and this white lady's like, he has a gun. I was like, it's just a microphone. Oh, uh, see, my, I'm gay. My mind went somewhere else. Oh, I was like, oh, you're not that hung. Never mind, girl. Let's go. <laughs> Wait, some not a shower. I'm white a lady said he has a gun. That's very... Oh, it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same question, Christy. What you you got? You the perfect show. You're about to like just visualize it. Well, like Mr. Silva here, I too would like it to be attended by people. Oh, <laughs> she got low standards. That's the key to success, right there. Yeah. Is low standards. Um. Yeah, I would. I would also like it to be eclectic, diverse audience, and I really love music and karaoke. I would want to incorporate some kind of like musical um element to it. Not necessarily me singing, but just <laughs> something Other like. Singing. Yeah, certainly not one of those people that's like. And now for my next trick, I will turn <laughs> your insult into a compliment, and then I'll sing. <laughs> Okay, you hit a note there. I yeah, it. it'll be you know, lots of stuff. Well, yeah, like m music, maybe some, I don't know. I guess that's technically a variety show, but um, as long as there isn't, like, close-up magic, we'll be fine. Close-up magic. <laughs> no magic. No magic. It's a variety show, but no magic. Yeah. It's nice. a limited variety show, <laughs> and I'm only allowing two things, music and comedy. Okay, so it's like Dead Rabbits, but... <laughs> No, it's not like. But you Dead get paid. Is, but you get paid for Dead it. Dead rabbits is its own thing. I can't wait to go. All right, I'm getting one of those like USB charged electric blankets, and I'm gonna hit the. <laughs> I'm gonna hit the beach. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Patrick Namaste. Every Monday at 6 p.m., it's Joke Workshop, streaming live on mutinyradio.fm. Lift the veil from your third eye on joke creation and what it takes to be a stand-up comic in the five shakasanas of San Francisco's comedy scene. This all-ages open mic invites com... Oh, pre-sign by Venmoing 2 to $5 at Mutiny Radio. Join us live for a small and special audience at the Mutiny Radio studio and gallery performance space, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street in the deep, deep, deep mission 
every Monday at 6 p.m. Does my ponytail look cool? Thank you. Namaste. Tuesday used to be the most unlikely night for fun. But every week at 6 p.m., come to OMG's Tuesday Open Mic. And see comics work out new material for free. For free. They get your Tuesday night party on with two-for-one well drink specials during the 6 to 8 p.m. show. Check out Eventbrite to reserve your free seat every Tuesday, 6 p.m. At OMG on Savory 6th Street. Savory 6th Street. Show up to go up. Hey, kids. It's your pal, Spiderman. <laughs> Sorry, Spiderman. Mortimer Spiderman. When I'm not swinging through the senior facility, bested Mysterio at Boggle, or getting beautifully plowed by the Rhino, I'm headed down to Mutiny Radio at the corner of 21st and Florida. They got some schlemiels doing the laugh laugh. But hey, don't be a schmuck and donate two to five dollars on, hold, hold on, what is this? Let me get my glasses, the print's too small. Hold on. Venmo? That's not real. What is that, Swedish? You knew that, right? This is in San Francisco. I'll drown it on. It's nap time. The year is 2023. Oh, I wish that laughter had value and the unexpected laugh was priceless. Worry not. True entertainment has brought us a savior in whosthatlive.com. Oh, finally, an escape from the apocalyptic nightmare I live in. You can go to whosthatlive.com and buy comedy tickets. And you're in a raffle, I guess. True, 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 true production. First Sundays of every month, join your friends from Mutiny Radio at Hotel Utah on 4th and Bryant. 5 p.m. first Sundays for free comedy. Is San Francisco getting you down? Is everything too expensive? Not first Sundays of the month at Hotel Utah for free comedy with Mutiny Radio. Incredible lineups every month with the best comedians from around the Bay. Join your friends trying to keep things affordable for free comedy first Sundays of the month. Hotel Utah, 4th Street. Weekly comedy at the best neighborhood bar in the city. Join your friends from Mutiny Radio every Thursday at 8 p.m. at the Bar on Dolores at 29th and Dolores. Starting after any very important sports game that might happen to be on, you're guaranteed a night of laughter for free. And when paired with the drink specials and the nicest bartender in San Francisco, it'll become a Thursday ritual. Show up to go out for comics, and please, reserve your free tickets on Eventbrite so we know you're coming to laugh. There is... <laughs> happy, happy hour the, is when the comedy is the cheapest. Happy hour, the most free two hours of hour-long comedy on the radio and internet streaming live at 2781 21st Street. Come down. Be in the audience. Dog friendly. Dog friendly. We are. Mutiny Radio is absolutely dog friendly. Ooh, a dog party. Ain't no party like a dog party. <laughs> dog party at Mutiny Radio. Every Friday, dog party at Mutiny Radio. Happy hour. 2781 21st Street. Happy hour. Mutiny Radio.
.fm here in .sf. Calling all crusties, punks, and poses. Pick your posteriors up off the pavement. Pack up your pins and patches and prepare to party. The Pacific Northwest Vest Fest returns this Saturday only at the SeaTac Expo Center. Whether you're a leather lover or just a denim demon, if you're looking to dress to impress for less, do not stress. You'll find all the best in pre-distressed fest right here at the Pacific Northwest Fest Fest. With over 40 vendors selling countless crossover styles, you'll find the perfect thing for your scene. Metal, thrash, Walmart, high-vis, and everything in between. All in one place. One day only. Unless it's a jacket. If you need a jacket, take your square ass somewhere else. Never pay for fabric you don't need and ditch the sleeves, but save the rest for the Pacific Northwest Fest Fest this Saturday only at SeaTac. Bring a can of PBR, get it half price. Daddy, Daddy, what are we gonna do today? At 2 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon? Oh, over there at the parklet in front of Atlas Cafe for Tetons of Comedy. That, that's Titans of Comedy. Apparently, they've got great sandwiches, cafe drinks, and even some of my favorite beverages, like beer, wine, and sangria. All the things I drink to forget your mother. My new Uncle Blake says you smell like a brewery. What did I say about interrupting me? Anywho, right here on 20th and Alabama in the Deep Mission, paired with tasty comedy from Bay Area's favorite comics. For free! Every Saturday. Or at least the two Saturdays a month that the court mandates I have to see you. It's sunshine! And even in the drizzle, but not too much. Hey, Daddy, remember after soccer practice when it was raining and you didn't come? I really don't. Anywho. You take it with the freezers. Reservations. Reservations on Eventbrite. Back in public schools. <laughs> in tri-level dual world of stand-up comedy. Laughter has value, and the unexpected laugh is priceless. Whoisthatlive.com. Comedy local shows on sale now. Everyone that purchases a ticket will automatically be entered into a true drawing. Who wants to focus on the genre of stand-up comedy and those that... Who's that? Go to whoisthatlive.com for upcoming shows. Join us on a journey into the absurd.
or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. Listen to live streaming radio or download a podcast and you can listen on the go. San Francisco Mutiny Radio. San Francisco. T-G-I-F at O-M-G. Third Fridays of every month at 7.30. Come to OMG on Savory 6th Street for DGIF. Thank God it's funny. Every third Friday at OMG. Check us out. Free shows. Great drink specials. Hilarious comics. Every Friday. San Francisco. Gouging ya. Here we go. Free comedy with Mutiny Radio. You know you love us. Third Fridays of every month. OMG. 6th Street. Come on out with your friends on Mutiny Radio, G-G-I-F at O-M-G.
against the murders we intend, against his lost white children. Rosie and his rayon, waiting for her booster, who's back from Alabama, he's dressed in pink and leather, he didn't have the time, time, sucking on his ding dong, sucking on his ding dong. Just like Sister Ray said, I'm searching for my main line. I couldn't hit it sideways. I couldn't hit it sideways. Just like Sister Ray said, suck it to me. Split. 